You're listening to Magrito Podcast Network, celebrating the culture of Chicanos and Latinos one story and voice at a time. Connect on social, on Instagram and Facebook at Magrito. Find all the Magrito Podcast Network shows over at magrito.net. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Emo Brown, the saddest Mexican podcast brought to you always by the wonderful people at Grasshopper for your medicinal, recreational, cannabis needs. You know what to do. Drop that card and get 15% out with your social club member card today. Chapter three of the Chula Vista Mayor candidates. The one and only Amar Kampanjar. So stay tuned. Let's see what's going on. Mr. Amar, look at you here, sipping on bucanitas, already slowly trying to sway me. I'm with uh, it. It's I'm five with o'clock it. somewhere, right? I'm sure it is, but not here, and you're doing the thing. Welcome, man. Uh, thanks for having me. No, thanks Long for- overdue. Thank you for reaching out and actually responding. I've, I've put these, uh, these bat signals out a couple of times, and I haven't gotten any responses, but now you are officially number three- of a total of five? Am I mistaken or how many how many people are running for Chula Vista Mayor? Yeah, about five viable candidates and a couple others that um, would love to be on your show, but you probably won't bring them on. No, they won't come on? <laughs> Who, who's out no, there? No, there's some me. that are pretty good, but you said you're looking for the more viable candidates. So five viable candidates. I'm looking for anybody who has an interest in running and, and representing our fair city, man. Yeah. That's a big responsibility. It's a tall task. Oh, yeah. I have family here. I have businesses here. I'm very heavily rooted in the community. Everything we do is with Chula Vista as the forefront of what we do. So I just want to make sure who, who's taking the reins. Big fan of Mary. Right. You know, she, she's come in here a few times and, and she's our neighbor. And she, she, one thing I like about Mary that I do personally like about Mary is that she walks the block a lot. You know, she, she's here on third Avenue and, and she's out representing you as well. Mm-hmm. Of late, I've seen you posting a lot of things. I'm out here at, at mm cakes, getting some coffee. I'm out here having a burger at Balboa burger. Good for you, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Having a, having a nice little, uh, Blanco here at- uh, Oh, you had a nice little fama yeah, Blanca. Yeah, yeah. All right. And today we're having a Bucanitas. I don't know if you wanted me to uh, bleep that out, but I'm sorry. We're drinking a little scotch whiskey in the morning. Salucita. It's not morning. It's noon. It is, so that is, that is, also, that is also very true. <laughs> hey, man, I already went to work this morning. I went to work. I got out and now I'm here. Now I get to meet somebody new. Tell me about yourself, Omar. Yeah, man. Well, you don't seem new to me because I'm, I'm a follower of your work and your podcast. Um, and you could quiz me later. It's not me just saying that. You could All quiz right. Me. Who's my best friend? Uh, me, hopefully. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Fucking quick, too. All right. Um, but, you know, I, I think some voters and, and people who don't li- are listening don't know about me is that, first of all, I think you've interviewed two other folks so far, including me now. Correct. Third. I'm the only Latino who's been on this podcast running for mayor so far. Mm. I'm the only candidate who went to public school here, went to East Lake High School, Southwestern Community College. Grew up on both West and East uh, Chula Vista of the 805. I grew up off of Woodlawn and Kearney off oh, of J Street. All right. uh, grew up Look at you checking all the boxes, man. Just telling you, it's the truth. You know, you can't you can't fake the funk. And you know, um, I'm a product of our neighbors, our teachers, our community leaders, um, my family that helped raise me. You know, all across Chula Vista. And you know, my life took a, a direction that I never could have fathomed, you know, from going, I was in the learning center in East Lake. You know, I was not a good student. I struggled growing up, single mom, broken family. And I got plugged into my church. My life turned around a little bit, common story. And I got to go work at the White House for President Barack Obama. That's nuts. And that's, I still kind of pinch myself. Um, But here was a skinny brown guy with a funny name, President Barack Obama, whose administration took a chance, another skinny brown guy with a funny name, Amar Kampanajar, and gave me the opportunity to live my dreams. And if it wasn't for Chula Vista, believing in me, investing in my life, that not would have been that would not have been my life. So, so the reason I'm running for mayor is to give back to the city that's given me the opportunity to live out my dreams. And I want to make sure the next generation can live out their dreams. I want to make sure that single moms like mine don't have to decide do I work overtime or be there for my kid's birthday. I want to make sure that small businesses like yours have the ability to start and scale their businesses. They're not bound by anything but their own imagination, innovation, and hard work. And that the city has a role to play in, in granting contracts and grants and permitting processes and making it easier for you to do what you guys do best. And I think we need somebody new and fresh and different, right? Like you said, we're going to have a new mayor. So we're on the dawning of a new day, man. A new mayor next year, the new Bayfront, a new university that's going to create new jobs and new industries and new housing opportunities and 
give our city more revenue to take on neglected services, whether it's small business grants or paying our, our police officers. We, we are, we're short 40 police officers in the city of Chula Vista. And you know, on Third Avenue, we've had some run-ins, right? We've had some folks vandalize some businesses. Um, and firefighters aren't getting paid properly. And dealing with, you know, homelessness, the unsheltered, dealing with youth and fentanyl. Right? For every positive aspect uh, our new mayor is going to inherit, mm-hmm. there is an equal amount of things that need attention, you know, like, and you mentioned a couple of them, you know, um, the homelessness, there, there, right. there seems to be an uptick in that. Mm-hmm. Your name is a name that people I feel recognize. Mm-hmm. They see it. They're like, I know that name, right. you know, uh, but the main objective today was like, all right, we know the name, but who's the person behind the name? Right. Why politics, man? I, I, I know you want, you, you mentioned quickly on you want to run for Chula Vista mayor to, to make it a better place. And then when you found it, but right. what, what is there a certain instance when you were young that ultimately said, Hey, you know what, this is, this is something you should do. Yeah, no, I never really thought I wanted to run for office, but I knew I cared about people and I wanted to be in public service. I wanted to be a pastor when I was in high school. Like I thought that's what I could do. I studied psychology. I wanted to be a therapist. And then I got away from therapy because I thought maybe listening to people's problems all day would take a toll on me. And I decided to run for public there office. There you go, right? That's not a move. <laughs> I'm the therapist of an entire city's needs. Um, but I feel like we could do things through the instrument of government, good government. We could make people's lives easier. And I, I'm a product of it. I've, I've been able to do it working in Washington in the highest levels of government. You know, at the U.S. Department of Labor, I helped working families. At the U.S. Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, I helped small businesses. Um, and I became a small business owner myself. And I've seen the instrument of government be used for good in people's lives. And that's why I'm interested in serving the city. Because I think, you know, a lot of us have good ideas, but I think you need a new perspective, right? That I love the way you run your business, right? You bring in people who aren't like industry veterans, but people who have like an open view of anything is possible. I'm a sponge. I'm willing to learn, listen, and then lead. That's what we need. I think if we keep hiring career politicians, we're going to get the same outcomes and we have no one to be mad about. We can't get mad at the career politicians if we keep hiring them. It's our fault, right? But I come with experience on every level of government, small business, nonprofit, working at the administration and someone who literally is a product of our public school system, someone who literally grew up on both sides of the 805. I've lived the inequity between the West and the East. Nobody running can claim that. And when my, the reason we moved to East Lake is when my grandfather passed away, he wrote in his will, sell the home and move to East Lake because he believed at the age of 92 years old, that the only way his grandkids will have a future is if he moves. If we move, he believed that our zip code determined our destiny. And how sad is that? Yeah. That this man who lived his whole life almost outside, you know, he immigrated here, but most of his life raised his family here, believed for my grandkids to have a good future, they have to live on the east side of the 805. I don't know, man. I'm a big proponent of 91910, 91911. I agree. I agree. And I want every kid who lives in Chula Vista to be bound by nothing but their own God-given talent, their potential, their willingness to work hard, stay in school and stay out of trouble. And I don't want anybody to ever think and make that tough, heartbreaking choice that my grandpa made. Because I, honestly, I don't even agree with it. But that was like the bleak reality that my grandfather was thinking about. So I want to run because I want kids in West Chula Vista to have as great a life, if not better, than anywhere else in the county, whether it's East Chula Vista or anywhere else. So, you know, I had the, 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 the same situation growing up. I grew up on the West side. I'm sorry, I grew up on the East side. I grew up in Benita. So I went, you know, I went to... Benita Middle, Benita High. I went to Tiffany Elementary, you know? And we lived over there. When wifey and I got married, we purchased our home out in East Lake. And the major difference was more community-centric on the West Side. 100%. So when, I, when we decided to start a family, I had this house that we purchased in the year 2000, which was vastly different than 2022 now. I mean, you can walk here on Third Avenue or on the substreets behind the, mm-hmm. the main drag and be like, oh, wow, this is a super community. I like it. It's, it's low-key. see a lot of hardworking people. Wasn't always like that. Right. So, I mean, I, I completely understand the, the the understanding of what Chula Vista West Side was once upon a time. If you lived on the West Side of 805, it's like, oh, wow, what are you doing over there? Right. You know, it's like, everybody get over here. But living on both sides, I, I agree with you. There, there's certain misconceptions on both sides. Right. I personally enjoy raising my family more over here. People are more um, open to, hey, how you doing? I know my neighbors. I know people who live down the block. Uh, uh, I know my kids' teachers. Right. You know, I, I just feel like there's, for me, there's a better connection on the West Side. And I feel for me, it speaks volumes for a candidate running for mayor that has that experience as well. Right. You know? I've lived that experience and, and I, I refuse to accept the premise that West Chula Vista is a place where 
you have less opportunities in East. I just refuse to believe that bottom line. And I think we need a mayor who has a grand vision for the whole city, the 300,000 of us who live in Chula Vista. And I don't see Chula Vista just as like this one city. I see it as the hub, the epicenter of a 7 million person region, mega region, right? Baja California, this nexus point between Mexico and, and the United States, really. Um, and how can we keep the character and culture of Chula Vista, especially West Chula Vista, and also innovate and renovate, right? Renovate in the West, innovate in the East. The Bayfront in the West will help create more foot traffic, hopefully for your business and many others. But we can't just renovate Third Avenue, then Broadway and the Bayfront. We have to have a cohesive vision of what does it look like to lift up West Chula Vista? What does it look like to innovate in East Chula Vista with the university? And how do we do it in a way that doesn't take away from the culture, the character, the authenticity of, of what makes Chula Vista unique? What, so how do we grow without gentrifying? That's the question of the next mayor. And, and some people might say, well, I don't care about the growth and development. The reason you should care is that's how we're going to pay for long neglected services like our police, like our fire, like our schools, like our roads and all the things we care about. That's how you get it. That's how you, you pay for it. I don't want to raise taxes on people to get these things done. I want to increase our economic growth to increase our tax base without raising taxes. I mean, how cool would it be for me to say, we've built this city so so well that we're getting more people's money from around the county. Instead of, you know, in Chula Vista, we're a bedroom community, right? So with the exception of some places like Third Avenue, most people live here, but they don't work here, right? They spend their money at UTC and Fashion Valley and downtown and so we're having a drainage of sales tax. You know, all of our money goes to outside of the city of Chula Vista. Imagine if we got the county to spend its money in Chula Vista because we have a bayfront, a university. Imagine if we get a stadium out in East Chula Vista where there's the Olympic Training Center. If we made Chula Vista the place, a destination, not just a drive-by city that some people up north see us as Chulawana. Bridging the gap to exactly. another country. Exactly. Uh, this binational powerhouse I could probably look at the city and say, we have so much economic growth that I could, I could fund our government and lower some taxes, make it a little bit easier for the quality of life and quality of living here. That's the vision. You know, I heard some of my colleagues who are also running, they have great things they want to provide services, but they don't have the vision. You know, I could see myself working with Jill, you know, as mayor and her and city council, because she does great work, but we need someone who has this grand vision of to take us where we need to go and I think we've heard a lot of promises from career politicians who I'm running against, some of whom, who will, who will continue to make these promises but don't have the vision, don't have the partnerships up and down government, federally and locally. And that's what it's going to take to get us to the next level. As we look at getting to the next level, I still want to get to know a little bit about your past. How did yeah. you end up working in the White House as an intern? Like, how, how does that even develop? How does that become a goal? How do you wake up yeah. one day and, and, and be like, oh, wow, I am an intern? Yeah. In the White House under Barack Obama. Yeah, I was the only kid who was an intern there who didn't have an Ivy League education, right? The School of Hard Knocks at Chula Vista. I was picked from Chula Vista. Work hard. Work hard. And, um, you know, I, I was inspired to work for President Barack Obama's election. He was a skinny brown guy with a funny name who really made me believe that anything was possible, that this country was at a turning point for people like us. Si se puede. Si se puede. Latino, Arab American, right? I mean, everything that Trump disliked in a person, I was. You were that guy. He's like, let's, <laughs> let's ban and let's put up walls for against Arabs and Mexicans. And I'm literally that, right? Um, and, you know, it was the turning point between Obama and Trump and all that. And so I was really inspired because he made me believe that this country could see someone like me, that I felt a sense of belonging. And so I, I, I volunteered for the campaign. I just said, I'm going to just volunteer. And then they eventually paid me. I became the regional director for Obama's campaign in San Diego. I applied to work at the White House multiple times. I got rejected so quickly because I didn't have the Ivy League education. I didn't have the connections. I just work ethic. It, sometimes in, in high levels of government or business, it's not what you know, it's who you know. True. So I tried a third time. I got a phone call when I was working for Obama in the campaign. I got a phone call from the White House saying, hey, we'd like to have you come work at the White House. I hung up. I'm like, this is bullshit. Yeah. This is, this is someone, a friend of mine <laughs> who's messing with been me. a dream of mine and they're punking me. But it wasn't, a, it wasn't, it was real. It was surreal. And I remember going to the first day at the White House and the chief of staff saying, welcome to the safest and most dangerous place in the world. No doubt. The White House. No and said, doubt. And he said, on your last day here, walk out the gate 
before you walk out, look at the people who are watching. They are looking, wondering, what is it, what is it that you do? What have you accomplished? Where do you come from and belong to, to be in this White House? Walking on the same, you know, on the same pavement that Lincoln walked at. And our highest dreams reside. So many things have happened in that building. And then I was able to get a job, actually not just being an intern, but work for the administration at the Department of Labor. Department of Labor, man. Helping the, the, the trabajadores, right? And then on the U.S. Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, helping small businesses. So I have a unique perspective of the working class and small business owners. And usually you get politicians who are just on one side, right? And I've literally worked at the highest levels advocating for both. And, you know, then I got to run for Congress against some really corrupt assholes in San Diego County. Um, and... Gave them, gave them the fight of their life, and we almost won. And a lot of Chula Vistans supported me in that, donated to my campaign and volunteered. And after that election, I said, you know, it's time to come back to my roots. It's time to come back to the place that believed in me, the places where my values most align, um, and fill this vacancy that our mayor is leaving us. But public service has been something I've cared about my entire life, um, and I'm excited for all those experiences, the good, the bad, the ugly, the hardships, um, I'm excited. You know, I, I really believe that we all have collective pain for a collective purpose and the hardships we've all gone through, there's a, there's a meaning for it. And I think the pain that I've gone through is to, to kind of battle test me against the challenges that our community faces as Latinos, as minorities, as people who are just working hard, um, trying to get by. Um, and I think that those experiences have given me a level of empathy and understanding um, and, and a set of values that I think this city would benefit from having someone like that. That battle you spoke of in East County and San Diego as a whole, those seem to be emotionally drained and just kind of like, I would assume it would take your toll. Like, you know, I'm just a spectator. I'm on the outside looking in, watching news, reading newspaper, reaching, reading blog posts. And it just seems, oh my God, man. Yeah. Why put yourself through all that? Why? It's like, it just seems like it would be, you didn't want to be a therapist because you felt ultimately those kinds of things would take a toll on you and your well-being. Yet you chose to be a politician where I feel like you take that therapy role and you magnify it a thousand times and right. everything is, you got to have thick skin, I'm assuming. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And look, it's not easy. Um, but there's a quote that says, he who has a, a, a why can conquer anyhow. Okay. Right. And um I think it's important to be in the arena. This is a, a, an important time. We're, we're coming through this post-pandemic economy. We need leaders who will help us turn the corner, who could look at things in an innovative way. And you could either complain on the sidelines or campaign on the front lines for the things you believe in. And I've never kind of wavered on the things that I believe in, the sense of community, the sense of giving back, the sense that helping people achieve their dreams. Um, I think that's kind of, Every time I go through a challenge, it just cauterizes me. It strengthens me to believe in these things more. These are inalienable beliefs that I have for our community. And yeah, it was hard, you know, being attacked based on my ethnicity, right? Um, but I think that's why it's worth fighting for because, you know, I think there's a lot of young people coming up who hear all the vitriol and the hate and they need to have a champion, someone they could look to and say, that person is standing up and doing it with dignity and class and not resorting to just uh, bad-mathing their opponents, but trying to do it in a way that is dignified, that elevates the conversation, um, and doesn't get distracted by the BS, right, and just focuses on the job at hand. And, and my goal is to help the city, you know, recover from the pandemic, invest in public safety, invest in family-focused projects like homeownership and schools and, uh, you know, those kinds of things, safe safe neighborhoods. So I am very focused on making a Chilavis that works for everybody, not just a select few but for all of us. And I think the voters will reward that polling shows that I'm, I'm leading the pack because they know my name, right? Yeah. And now they're getting to know the person behind the name. So I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk to people. The floor is yours always here, man. Uh, biggest misnomer, something you feel like you need to let people know about who you are. Maybe you've been misrepresented in the past. Maybe you, I know a lot of things that come out. And I'm like, I know this person, he's not like that, right. you know? So what's something that you feel like you've been misrepresented and, and you need to tell people what you're all about? Look, when you're fighting for the right thing and, and when you have a high profile race like I've had in the past and we have now, you know, your opponents are always going to try to drag you down and attack you. That's just what happens. And most voters are like, yeah, I know that's part of politics. And they kind of, they, they set that aside and they think, okay, what does this person stand for? And I think the biggest thing people need to know is 
of the three of us who've interviewed with you, there's only one of us that's Latino. There's only one of us that's been raised in Chula Vista, didn't come here as an adult, but was raised here, lived in West and East Chula Vista, went to our public schools, is a product of Chula Vista, not someone who showed up and said, I love Chula Vista, I want to move there. No, I'm from here. And um, I think people need to know that, that I'm a product of Chula Vista and, you know, I'm, I'm very very proud to be an example of what happens when this community invests in our youth. I was able to go work for President Barack Obama. I was able to start a small business. I was able to run for Congress. I'm able to run for mayor. Because this community believed in me, I believed in myself. And that's why I believe in this city so strongly and its potential. And there's so much unmet potential. Look, I was prepubescent when people were talking about the Bayfront 20 years ago or the university 25 years ago. It's just insulting to hear every year the same politicians run and say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. The Bayfront is coming. The university yeah. is coming. A stadium potentially exactly. is coming. And we keep hearing this. I, I remember hearing this stuff for almost all my life. And it's frustrating to hear the same people say the same stuff. So we can't keep recycling the same old career politicians who keep making the same promises. You know, fool me once, you know, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. We cannot continue to do this. And this election is about picking somebody new that take us to new horizons. And we're right there on the cusp of it, right? With this new Bayfront, it is happening now, you know? Um, and we need somebody who has the relationships in nonprofit, in government, up and down, you know, federal and local. And I'm uniquely positioned because of the opportunities that Chula Vista gave me to go work in Washington. I have those relationships to bring funding from Washington instead of raising our taxes to put into our community and, and make it better, so... That's a, that's a, <laughs> that's a lot bringing your way, man. Yeah. Uh, your, your, your background definitely is going to help you. All your experiences. I look for somebody who has experience. I don't look at somebody who's been in a career right. politics mode. I do look for somebody who has these experiences that can provide, you mentioned earlier, and how I hire here, how we build our team here. I always feel it's easier to bring somebody into what you're creating, into your vision, who hasn't had one before. Mm-hmm. I like hiring people who are not involved in beer who know absolutely zero about beer. And people will be like, why, why, why do that? It's, you know? it's hard to break old habits. Right? Old habits, they, they die hard, bro. Right. It's, just, it's just ridiculous. To cut. And it's, this is how we want to do it. And that's how we bring people in. And it's worked, man. Right. You being a politician, what has been one of the biggest obstacles for you? I don't come from wealth. You know, um, John McCann, he gave himself like $60,000. I can't do that. Mm. Jill gave herself $50,000. I can't do that, you know? Um, and it's telling that two elected officials have to give themselves money to, to run their campaigns. You would think they could just get support from the community and the community can give them some, some money. Not a lot, but just a little bit, 10 bucks here, 10 bucks there. It adds up. Our campaign is fully funded by people for people. I raised more than all of our opponents. The average donation is 50 bucks by going to campacampaign.com, right? It's hard. It's really, really hard. Um, but the reason you need... Money is to multiply your message. I could, there's a hundred thousand of you voters. There's one of me and I, I'm knocking on doors. I'm talking to voters. I'm talking to people who are supporting my opponents until I show up to their door with my new perspective and they take out the yard sign and put in mine, which is the biggest compliment because it means it's a battle for ideas, right? Uh, meeting people at the doors. Um, but that's, that to me is like the, the, the tonic of I hate raising money. I love talking to people. I love asking them, What's working for you? What's not working for you in Chula Vista? Are you better off today than you were four years ago? Right? Those old- It's a valid question. Yeah. yeah those, those questions are the ones that really do cut to the core of what people are looking right. for. I don't care about your personal politics. Mm. I care about your personal health, your personal goals. safety. Right. And, and if they say I'm frustrated, I'm like, well, let's not elect the same people uh, because they have council member next to their name. Let's elect somebody new. And if you don't like what I do, you get rid of me in four years. But I promise you this, we won't do things the way we've always done them. Right. The, 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 the bad habit of politicians is they keep promising and not delivering. And I promise that I will work very hard. And in four years, you could get rid of me, but you will get a new perspective out of me. I feel that Chula Vista, um, from personal experience, opening a business, are afraid of change. They're reluctant to change. It's, it's not always a, a welcoming thing to them. How do you approach that or how do you respond to that? Because you, I mean, you just said that you want to do things differently. You want to bring a new approach to running Chula Vista. Yeah, we need a mayor who's not going to just, you know, who's going to stand up to the city of Chula, of San Diego, right? Have broad shoulders and sharp elbows and say, no, 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 we're not going to get the, the hand-me-downs of, of San Diego City. 
Is that how you feel Chula Vista is viewed? I do. Yeah. I mean, when, when, when the homeless folks were taken out of the convention center in San Diego to make room for the undocumented children, which was a noble cause, um, those unsheltered folks were pushed down, down South. Right. Um, and we just get the hand-me-downs. Um, but what I can do is I have relationships with members of Congress by virtue of having run and worked in Washington. And I could tell them, look, when, when, when Congress is giving out pork and earmarks, don't forget about Chula Vista. Don't forget about us because we pay taxes just like San Diego City does. And every single year, get this, every year, Chula Vistans pay more in federal taxes than we get in services from the mm. federal government. So this is just basic business, right? Imagine as a business owner, if you're like, I'm putting in more than I'm getting out, it's not going to work for me. There's no ROI here. It won't work long. Mm -mm. So I, and the sad thing is it's worked a long time here in Chula Vista, but- as, as a mayor who understands how Washington works, where our federal dollars go, I could say, no, no, no. We need these, this money put back into our roads. Instead of getting charged a gas tax locally, why, are, why don't we just look at the money that we're giving the federal government to fix our roads, right? The 125, you know, how do we make sure that's off of our back? And it's not pie in the sky. The solution for the, the 125 is Sacramento, uh, Ben Hueso, mm -hmm. the center wants to sell the 125 to Sacramento because Sacramento already collects infrastructure tax money from us. Why are we getting triple tax for the same service? It's just good governance, fiscal responsibility. And somebody who's not worked in different levels of government doesn't know that, right? Um, frankly, somebody who's just, I think locally elected maybe just wants to make deals with local developers, but I'm not beholden to them because they don't give me money. So that's how we're gonna do things differently. Working with, uh, you know, big funders of UCSD to get them to help fund a university here in Chula Vista, right? Get a public-private partnership. Where do you foresee this university in Chula Vista actually being located? Yeah, so there's people talking about building it on top of Southwestern College, okay. right? Um, but I think it's gonna be in the innovation district that's already carved out 400 acres out in East Chula Vista. Uh, there's a lot of land out there. Uh, it's, it's prime for that. Um, and then the question is, how do we make sure that it's not deepening the disparity between West Chula Vista kids and East Chula Vista make it accessible for West Chula Vista kids too, right? Um, so I think it's going to be out there. Um, and I really want to see if we can get, you know, a CSU or a UC system. The problem with the CSU system, the state system, is they looked at Chula Vista and they realized, they believed, they concluded that there's not enough enrollment demand to, to get another university, a state-run university here. But I wonder if they calculated all the binational kids from Tijuana, Right. Again, that is our story. We keep getting neglected of opportunities because we're not counted right, right? Uh, I feel that that's a valid point. I mean, we grew up with this being normal, going to, going to school with people who didn't live in our country. I have family who didn't live here, who went to school with me. You know, people made, they, they crossed the border every day. Exactly. You know, whether it was for a better life or whatever, you know, whatever it is, whatever the goal is. Right. I feel like that's something that we grew up with and it's normalized and it's absolutely like, yeah, man, where do you live? Oh, you live in Tijuana? All right, cool. But I feel like if you go somewhere else in the country, right. you know, and, and I'm, I'm the first to tell you, like, I, I rarely leave Chula Vista, you right. know, like I, I feel a little piece of me dies every time I leave Chula Vista. <laughs> so I got to come back home quickly. But I mean, I, I often wonder what is the perception of a border city? Like, you know, like us here in Chula Vista, you've been out in the Valley, you've right. been representing our, our city on the national scale. What do people say about border cities? How are we viewed? What's the perception? I think people, it's a question mark. Like what can Chula Vista be? Is Chula Vista just Chulawana, just on your way to Mexico, mm. or is it its own destination? And it's its own destination, right? I mean, look at the, I mean, Canelo wants to open up a taco shop, yeah. right? Awfully close to my bar on Broadway, Canelo. <laughs> <laughs> well, tacos and beer. Hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, there's no reason we have to be in com competition. Never, we can right. collaborate. We all gonna collaborate. win, we're all gonna win. A rising tide, right? <laughs> that's what happens with Latinos sometimes. We think that there's a zero sum game because that's how we've been Trained to think here, right? You are Mexican. You do have that mentality. Look it. at you. Look at you. <laughs> no, we got to collaborate. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I think if we can make Chula Vista, and it, and it already is this, but advertise it and give a spotlight. And I think I can do that as someone who's run for national office, has a national spotlight. I want to shine that spotlight on Chula Vista that it's not just Chula Juana. It's this bi-national city where you can get authentic cultural experiences um, that people maybe used to get in Bayer Logan, but they feel like maybe it's gentrified. You, that's still here in Chula Vista, right? And and the shopping center on Broadway, you know, that big Sears, turn it into like a major mercado or something. Go ahead. Right? 
put on top of it um, a Top Golf. You know, think outside the box. You better stop. Yeah. yeah. See, <laughs> <laughs> but that's how you get people to say, you know what? For all those like, you know, I don't want to talk ill of them, but and it's not a, a bad judgment. But for those who are like, I don't want to go to Tijuana because it's not safe. The people mm-hmm. who live in San Diego come to Chula Vista. You'll get as authentic an experience, but you'll be on this side of the border, right? Um, and, and Chula Vista has its unique culture that's not just Mexico, right? It's this binational, beautiful, rich, diverse, authentic, you know, uh, community. And if we could just not reinvent the wheel, but just put some rims on it, rejuvenate it, mm-hmm. not gentrify it, I think Chula Vista could become a destination. It's the last city in the county to really get this development opportunity. And what I'm going to guard against is making sure that it's not gentrified. It's just elevated. Tricky game. It's a tricky game. Tricky but, game. But you got to keep your eye on the prize. It's got two sides to that tale. You know, gentrification comes with its own set of negatives. Everybody knows about that. 100%. It also comes with its set of positives. Right. You know, but sometimes outside money is needed. Yeah. And now a new perspective is needed. Right. You know, so long as it's in line with what the city wants, I feel is best. Right. You're in, you're in office now. You've been voted mayor. Yes, sir. It's on Mars there. Too. Let's, come mayor. Let's, there not, it is. let's not tempt the gods. <laughs> so th- there you are now. What's the most pressing uh, need? What's the most, most pressing issue that you feel you need to handle right now, day one, get in and get it done? Yeah, I think it's going to make sure that we never return back to the shutdown pandemic days, right? Make sure that we have a resilient city that never goes back to full shutdown. Number one, get that done so we're never looking back to shutting down. Give small businesses give working moms who are raising their kids who have been teaching their kids for two years on their own seniors who've had a hard time with this pandemic. People just want the certainty and the normalcy and stability to say, how can I plan out my future? Right? So creating the infrastructure for a city that is resilient against the pandemic, making up for the lost gains. And the first thing I want to do is hire a full-time grant writer, to to this sounds like like way in the weeds, but a grant writer who could bid for federal funding, so we could help our city grow. There's money out there. So there's much, money out there. We just we like the administration and Congress just passed 1.7 trillion dollars for infrastructure. That means we shouldn't spend. We shouldn't ask any Chilavistan for Texas any should money. be non-existent at that point. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I mean, when it comes to like, let's not ask anybody for one more penny for infrastructure in Chula Vista. Cause we just got 1.7 trillion to go across the whole country. Let's get a grant writer to, that will say, we need some of that money to pay out the 125 to fix our roads, to help repair things. And I think the other thing is recover the learning loss that we've had with our kids for the past, um, past two years, you know, make up for that lost time of kids losing the learning experience. So that's going to be one. That one hits home, man. Yeah, I mean, I know it. wifey turned into a teacher. Yeah. You know, I, I I was out here. I'm fortunate enough that I have a job. I have businesses that I have to run. So I, I was, I, there was, I've never been busier since the pandemic started. Mm-hmm. Like when the pandemic hit, I work at UPS. So we were nonstop at UPS. Get up every day, go to work. And it was nonstop. Brewery, fortunate enough that we, we stayed open. You know, right. we had to shut down for some time as well as the bar. But then when we came open, we came open. So I was unfortunately not as available as I'd like to be with my family because I was out trying to get it. There was uncertainty. Right. You know, I, I can't not be at work doing things, generating, creating because I don't know what's happening. Nothing right. was guaranteed. So my wife was at home picking up, you know, everything and, 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 and trying to make it work. We have three little boys, a nine, a seven and a four year old. Mm-hmm. My kindergartner uh, at the time the pandemic hit just returned back as a second grader. There's a huge educational gap right. there. We, we, we're, we're struggling to figure out, you know, what it is, how we help, how we create. Our, our nine year old, you know, all of these kids, I, I was worried about the social, yeah. social skills. How are my boys going to uh, readapt mm-hmm. to how much we worked to, so hard for them to get into? Like we've had them in sports. We've had them in jujitsu specifically is something that I feel like has helped them a lot awesome. from being not necessarily complete introverts, but they were shy, you know? And, and now they're like, hey, how you doing? I'm this. And they have their friends they are back in jujitsu. They're back in school. That is something I really want to focus on and see how do we avoid having to go through that again? Cause you know what? It happened once. It could happen again. There is already reports around the world, around the globe where shutdowns are coming back, right. where there's different variants coming back full force. Right. So I feel like that is a very important issue that needs to get tackled. Totally. And, and a lot of us, including my family, we all have an empty uh, you know, seat at the dinner table because a lot of us have lost people, especially in South Bay. We were hit hard. And we reason, were one of the zip codes that was heavily affected. And the reason is because we're the essential workers that mm. service the whole county, not just Chula Vista. We're a commuter town, right? So we're the 
hospital workers and the police officers and the grocery workers and the hospitality workers and transportation workers that were literally out there on the front lines, not getting paid well enough to go service the whole county. And we brought it back home and we got sick because we were too busy fighting for other people. Right. So how do we make sure that we don't go back to those days by being proactive um, and never shutting down schools and small businesses again? Because I don't think we could handle it. And what I'm looking at now is not just the learning loss with our youth, but the socialization, right? I mean, how do we make sure that we have good summer programs and after school programs? How do we, there's a committee called um, the youth uh, action or yeah, youth action committee that the city has that's been dormant for two years because of COVID. How do we activate that again? When I worked for Obama, he had a program called my brother's keeper mm-hmm. and the whole program was be- meant, uh, it was built towards mentoring young brown and black kids of color, men specifically, right? Because you've heard about the, the fentanyl yeah. pandemic that's going on, the illnesses with, it's crazy. And, and the addiction and all that. So how do we make sure that we, as we turn the corner from, from pandemic to endemic, that we stay there in the endemic phase, that we never go back to shutting things down and we make up for the economic and learning loss. And so on day one, I want to hire a grant writer, a full-time grant writer that's going to say, there's trillions of dollars of money that Congress just passed. That's our money, not it's not Washington. It's, it's our money, local taxpayers, Chilavistans including. Let's get back the money we just gave and get it into our roads, get it into our communities, get it into our small businesses so that we could recover from the losses. That has to be number one mission on day one. And you feel you have the connects, the contacts to make that happen. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm the only person running for mayor who knows all five of our Congress members in San Diego County. I have relationships with them in Washington. And I have that because Chula Vista gave me the springboard to have the career I had in Washington. And I never forgot that when I come home, I'm going to use those abilities to help deliver for our community. And the projects we need, I mean, I've heard, I've listened to city council. I've talked to Mary Salas about these things. I know what programs we need. It's how are we going to fund it? How do you pay for it without price gouging taxpayers locally and say, here's five more cents on the tax here, five more cents on the tax here for sales tax. How do we make sure that we get the money we've already paid the federal government and state government to invest in our city? And, and the, another thing I will say is our firefighters, man, a lot of them come to your brewery yeah. and they've been working hard. Yeah. They never stopped. You know, they, they work um, 40% more hours than their colleagues in, in, uh, in, in public safety and they get paid 18% less than their colleagues. Um, and There's a couple specific that reach out to me and sing your yeah. praises, man. And well, they, they, they've been hit hard and they were out there, you know, um, you know, doing, doing the COVID vaccines and, and the masks and the shots and the testing, they were out there helping the community and, you know, they don't ask for a lot. Um, you know, they struggle and they, they suffer in silence. You don't really hear what they go through. Police, you know, my heart goes out to them because, of our police officers are good people, right? Not just in the city, but nationwide. And they get a bad rap. They're having a hard time recruiting and retaining people because a lot of police officers are like, well, this is a tough job and the community is against us. Um, You see that here in Chula Vista? Not as much as you see it in other areas, but it's a tough job being a police officer. Um, And I think a lot of us see it, right? And we see that, you know, Every day they kiss their kids goodbye and they don't know if they're going to make it back. But the unsung story is the story of a firefighter. They go into harm's way too, but we don't, we don't talk about it. That's true. And they're just asking for equal pay and, and police and fire, they're in agreement that everybody in public safety should be paid well. Cause you want to have people who, you know, don't have to worry. Am I making enough money while risking my life? That shouldn't be something you worry about when you're serving the public in a dangerous situation. So that's why I want the university and the Bayfront. That's why I want a stadium. Those sound like big developments for no reason, but that's how you get money into our city to pay for paying our firefighters an equal wage, hiring for 40 more fi- uh, police officers to make sure that they patrol your small business area so that you're not getting people to vandalize it. Everybody has the same policy positions. How do you get it paid for? And I think I have the vision federal dollars, state dollars, and big developments that don't gentrify, but rejuvenate Chula Vista. We have an Emo Brown social club where- I'm in, I saw the card. It's like this heavy metal I'm telling you, man, if it don't clack, that shit's whack. (laughs) Um, 
I give them the opportunity in the platform when somebody comes in, hey, shoot some questions. What do you guys want to know? Like I'll go in there on the daily and be like, hey, today I'm going to have such and such. Today I'm having a Mar company jar come in. Do you guys have any questions that you want me to address? I went through, I found a couple of them. Uh, most of them you've already addressed. You know, what separates you from the other candidates? What makes you feel that you're more uh, local than other candidates? Um, what is the difference between running for Congress in the East County and now running for mayor in Chula Vista? Are the areas the same? How do they differ? How does your candidacy, candidacy differ this time around? You know, it doesn't differ that much. Uh, it's still San Diego County and people still care about public safety. They want to fix their roads. They want to be able to live, work, and retire with dignity, Right. We're a hue or two darker in Chula Vista mm. than we are in East County. Um, what? I know. But there's a <laughs> lot of diversity in East County that's growing. Um, you don't have maybe the tensions that you have between communities in East County as you do in Chula Vista, but it's basic stuff. Everybody wants dignity. Everybody wants opportunity. And I think that Chula Vista is more receptive to my vision of, you know, making this community a economically thriving family friendly. And this is the key, I think, difference, uh, diversity championing city. Chula Vista is where I am. Like, I don't have to persuade Chula Vista on my vision. East County, you know, a lot of Republicans, I'm a Democrat, and the daylight is almost inescapable. But running for city government, you could ignore the national divisions and focus on the local issues of, you know, my, my public safety, the unsheltered, helping small businesses thrive, being a role model to my kids. Um, those local issues, um, they kind of, I think, transcend the national stuff because people just want you to take care of their communities, right? So I'm excited about running for mayor of Chula Vista because I think it gets me out of the, the ugliness of the national politics, which honestly I think is we're going to have to wait a while for our national politics to come back. To settle down. <laughs> but it might, the way, you know, I, I think we've lost, when it comes to politics, a sense of neighborliness, that we are ultimately neighbors. We live next to each other. We send our kids to the same schools. And I think we need strong, bold local leaders to remind us that we have more in common than what separates us. I just feel we've become very divided. Yeah. It, it, it's to the point where it's like, oh, it's, it doesn't go unnoticed. Yeah. You wake up, you see it like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Let's get you to Chula Vista questions right now, my yeah, friend. I have a question it. about Chula Vista. Please. What's your go-to taco shop? Oh, yeah. Careful. I mean, this one's a, this is a fucking big one. You know, this you is going to deter <laughs> or have people jump on board. I mean, look, uh, I love tacos. My reward when I, I'm done knocking on doors, my campaign manager lets me go get tacos. Um, look, I grew up off of Kearney and Woodlawn, so Taco del Gordo. El Vato. All right. Mm. All right. All right. Um, and so there's that. There's a really good um, quesadilla taco truck where the Novo is um, on lane, like the small Novo, the one that's the brewery. Okay. So they have really good tacos there. Um, and then, you know what? I can't, I'm a sucker, man. Most of the time, I'll go to Lolita's, uh -huh. and I love me some Lolita's. I thought you were going to say Chipotle, bro. We're about to end no, that no, shit no, real no, quick no, if you, you said Chipotle. You said Mexican tacos. Yeah, right? hey, man. Just, uh, <laughs> I don't know where you were coming from. You've been in, you've yeah. been in, a, in the national spotlight yeah. for a while. I don't no, know. Where. I know it. And Lolita's, man, like, I love carnitas nachos. Yeah. Nachos. That's my, that's my jam, man. All right. After I lost the election, I was, like, a little bit of a emo brown myself. I ate a lot of Lolitas, dude, and I had to like cut some weight. So salsa verde or salsa roja? Roja. Yeah. Yeah. Harina or maíz? I mean, both are good. No, making me hungry. I'm coming at you, bro. Maíz. All right. Yeah. All right. Is that are those are those your questions or are the last two were? <laughs> I'm like, all right. I think I of the whole interview. You seem polished, smooth, and everything. No, I feel no, right no. now. I got you on your heels. Now no, let's go. My abuelita makes the best Mexican. Food. All right. All she right. makes. The Bomb-ass pozole. All right. That's, that's my jam. All right. I love pozole. Next carne asada, I'm going to bring some of the social club members. You're going to have to invite us over, man. I'm down. See what's up. We're actively looking for a warehouse. This is a little bit of an insider question from one of my guys. What can you do to help us procure a warehouse for the Emo Brown Foundation? Mm. Don't get in trouble with your answers. Yo, do you guys, are you guys willing to like look at East Chula Vista? We've like, been looking, man. There's I'm a in... lot of warehouses out there. Um, All right. Where the, where the Novo is. Like where they were going to build out that crazy, I'm glad they shut it down, psychiatric, psychiatric hospital. I saw, I read. People were up in arms. Up in arms. Yeah, it's very, you know what? I, I talk a lot, I don't talk shit about East, East, uh, East Lake or East Chula Vista, but it just doesn't seem like people are always like communal. 
But when that happened, I feel like everybody united yeah. and came up in arms and said, hey, this is what we got to right. fight against. We don't want this here. Right. And it's not because they don't support mental health. And I studied psychology. I do support it. But if you're going to put a, a hospital like that, a psychiatric hospital, it needs to be around public transportation. So when they're done, they could transport to wherever they need to go. Um, public safety needs to, needs to be, there's no like um, sub post for police officers in all of East Lake. So there's no public safety um, and there's no major hospital nearby. So it's, it just, and from an urban planning perspective, it didn't make sense to put it there. But what does make sense out there is warehouses and there's tons of them. I mean, even Amazon has a warehouse. Out well, there. I think that's the major, major reason we're having such a hard time finding one is that Amazon came around and bought everything up. Mm. We would have been looking around besides the point. Good question, Justin. Well done, Justin, on that one. And then, <laughs> and then you guys could have a foot in West and East Chilvis. I mean, yeah, all Chilvis, it's ours. One of the common themes, uh, last question before we wrap it all up for you, Amar. I know you're a busy fun. guy. Yeah, I know. And we're, but we're Abucanas. You're heavy handed. <laughs> um, homelessness. Yeah. It seems to be something that I, I received a lot of inquiries about. Mm-hmm. You know, what's what, what, what's the plan with the unsheltered? What, what's the strategy? What How do we how do we rectify what seemed to have gone sideways on us? hundred percent. Look, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot you guys straight. There is no solution to homelessness. There's managing it. You are never going to end homelessness, but you could mitigate it to where it is not the problem that it is today. Right. And I could lie to you and say, we're going to end homelessness, but that's just not, it's not possible, especially in a state like California. Um, Overpopulated and and housing is an issue in the whole state, but here's the way we could deal with homelessness and, and resolve the biggest problems. First, understanding there's different causes, right? There's unaccompanied minors. There's single moms with their kids because of domestic abuse. There's mental health. And most people who are chronically homeless, it's not mental health. We just see them the most because they're the most visible. Veterans who have PTSD, people who are just one, you know, uh, emergency away from losing their home, a $500 emergency, put them out on the street and they just had a hard time getting back on their feet. Um, so addressing the root causes, and it's not a one shoe fits all, right? So mental health is a big key. Vocational training to get back on your feet. Uh, trend, transitional housing um, to be able to help people kind of uh, have a place they could privately work on their, you know, getting back on their feet. Um, those are the, the core things. And also, and this sounds maybe um, not very compassionate, but I think you have to match compassion with accountability, you can't help people who don't want to help themselves, right? And if you get them clean in mental health and give them vocational training and they still don't want help, we have to move them somewhere else, right? And, um, you know, I've talked to police officers. They're like, you know, we're not trained to take care of homeless people. That's not our job. We need more mental health professionals to deal with that, more social workers and case workers to deal with that. So making sure we have the right public worker dealing with that, not police, but mental health folks and let the police do what they do and only they can do, which is respond to crime and public safety. Um, so that's one thing that we need to do. And also if, you know, all due respect, you know, when, when San Diego City gives us tents to take their homeless out of Petco Park and put them in Chula Vista, I think we just put them right on the next ride back up to the city of San Diego. I, I, again, I don't want the city of San Diego to keep giving us their problems at our doorstep. I know it sounds maybe not so compassionate, but we have a lot that we're dealing with in Chula Vista, including our own homegrown homeless. We need to focus on them and, you know, we're, we're good. We don't need any other city's problems. We need to focus on our own, um, but helping them get back on their feet. And I'll give you a quick story. I, I worked at the Department of Labor and there was a homeless guy who lived in DC who lived uh, right, right at my entrance of my apartment. And I said, you know what? I'm going to get this guy a good apprenticeship job that's going to pay more than the minimum wage because I work the Department of Labor. Like, who am I? If I'm working at, you know, the U.S. Department of Labor and I can't get this guy a job, <laughs> the fuck am I doing? <laughs> it here? doesn't say much about right, what you've done, yeah. Right. And why why are we even here if I can't help this guy? So I got him a good job. I bought he, a, a painting job. I bought him the paint for my own money. I bought him the paintbrush for my own money, and I took him and gave him a ride to work, and. Two weeks later, he calls me. He's drunk. He had been sober for two weeks. That was part of the deal. He called me. He's like, I'm sorry. I'm a fuck up, blah, blah, blah. And I said, what happened? He's like, well, it was going fine until like my friends kept trying to give me a ride home, my coworkers. And I kept saying, no, just leave me here. He didn't have a home, right? And they wanted to go have lunch. And he's like, I forgot my wallet because he doesn't have money yet. Didn't get his paycheck yet. And he's homeless. 
Uh, and he said the thing that was supposed to make him feel normal, this job, made him feel less normal, like an outsider. Like he didn't have the money to go get lunch or a home, right? To get a ride to. And so it made him depressed. And what I realized is that you need wraparound services. It's not just a job fix it all. Like go get a job. Don't be a deadbeat. That's not the solution. You need mental health. You need champions. You need advocates. And so I didn't know what to do. So I took him to my church and I put him at the foot of the cross and I told my pastor, I don't know what to do with this man, but I can't, I can't live knowing that he could die on the street. Turns out that church got a federal grant for their nonprofit work to help build homes. And this guy had some skills on building. He was a carpenter in his previous life. And through a government grant that was given to this church, he was helping build homes. Very nice. And his life was transformed forever. And the moral of that story is that government can't do everything. Working together with nonprofits like the one that you have now, with business, with church community groups, with our government, it's going to take an all-of-community approach to deal with our homelessness. This guy. All right. True. Hey, man. I'm happy to meet you. Likewise, man. I'm, I'm happy to uh, take some time and share some time and some bucanitas with you and, and dig deep past that first layer and just kind of like get to know who the person is yeah, man. behind the name that everybody seems to know, but really nobody knows who you are. Hopefully more people know me now and I hope you'll bring me back. I will, man. We, we look forward. It's going to be an exciting next couple of months. We're here on the precipice of April and June is the primary yes, sir. elections and then we go and see what happens. Mm-hmm. What an exciting time. I know it. You got your plateful, man. Thank <laughs> you for coming in, bro. I appreciate Absolutely. it. And if there's anything else you got to say, why we should vote for you, your 15-second elevator speech, give it to us now. Look, I'm a third-generation Chilovist and proud of it. And I've, I want to be a voice for this city. And if you be my voice this election, I will be your voice in City Hall. And we'll look at old problems the new way and turn the corner. And it will be a moment of hope and change. And you'll have a mayor that your children could look up to. And I think it'll be a bright future for all of us. But I can't do it alone. I'm the tip of the spear. You're all the rod, the community driving us. And if you want to learn more, if you want to donate, go to campacampaign.com. Thank you. There it is. 